speaking on that, you wrote a book during COVID, and you entitled it God's Treasure's Possession, speaking about the people of God. And, uh, and firstly, before even you maybe mentioned that, you, in COVID, you, just, you felt God to call you to write a book. Why did you choose the book of Exodus? I've never written a book myself, uh, but you and your wife are just prolific. How do you choose a, a, a title? How do you choose a subject? I just think it's so fascinating to, to, to maybe have a peek behind the curtain. Well, I think you've got to find uh, motivation to write. And I'm, I'm amazed for professional writers who say, I do so many thousand words wow. after breakfast or something. I don't know how they do that. <laughs> and I couldn't write if I wasn't motivated. I mean, I'm not a clever writer. But if I'm motivated, I, I can get into it. And so when uh, suddenly, having gone home from here, uh, the very next day, like lockdown, and then my whole program's gone for the year, I thought, what do I do? And uh, I, the story of Moses has always fascinated me, and I've preached on it from time to time. Uh, going from slavery, becoming a people, going into inheritance, which is a, it's like the Christian walk, really. Yeah. It's got so much to teach us. And many years ago, when we started a new church, and we were beginning to make some progress, and I felt God said to me, preach the story of Moses, because you're going to take these people on a journey. And I found amazingly that when you come to a certain day in the story, it was a very important day for us as a church. So I remember yeah. when we needed to, to raise a large sum of money, and I find myself preaching on crossing the Red Sea, and it was a faith thing, we're going to do this thing together. And it just blended in with, come on, we're going to raise this money. And we did, and people were in it together, a real sense of corporateness. And I found again and again the story tied in with our journey and our experience together. And so writing the book, you kind of turned that. All I did was turn the page and say, what happened next? And then, they, then came Amalek, and there's a battle. <laughs> then, then they start complaining against Moses. Then they, uh, Jethro gives his advice. What are you doing, Moses? Everyone's queuing up to see you. You know, why don't you have smaller groups? Why don't so? Hey, everything that comes is very, very relevant. I found uh, it's. I tell the story of Moses, and it says in one Corinthians chapter ten, all these things were written, and they're written for our instruction. They all happened. Yeah. It's solid history, but it's written down for our instruction. And then it gives a little, a little summary of them in one Corinthians ten things that happened, and but the whole thing is uh, teaching us many things. I love it when they, they try to get the renegade prophet uh, to curse them, you know. And he, he said, I can't curse them. He said, I can't curse what God has blessed. Wow. And you get some of the most wonderful prophecies about the people of God yeah. uh, through Balaam, whose donkey told him off, you may remember. So why did you call it God's treasure's possession? We can guess, but I, I don't want to, I'm speaking to the author. So what, what about that title grips you? And, and how did you come to that title? I think well, that's so I think profound. They're, they're called that in the scripture. God's, God does treasure them. He says, you're special people to me. I love you because I love you. And God regards them as his treasure possession. Uh, and uh, that's carried on into the New Testament, of course, where uh, the New Testament writers pick up this language that you are a, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, God's own treasured possession. And uh, so that's the way God has it for us, that he delights in us. And I, I wrote it from that perspective. We're his people. He's got us on a journey. He's looking after us. He'll provide for us. And he's looking for us to respond and to be in relationship with him. So, yeah, it's full of meaning. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad it's getting a good response from people. 
we look forward to it. We can't wait to read it. I mean, Fiona calls you treasure as well a yeah, lot no, of the times. No, I, like thought, I thought that was my nickname. Oh, okay. Treasure possession. It's, it's obviously <laughs> yeah. bigger than me. So thank yeah. you, Terry. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> just good to get good teaching into that, Terry. We, and we obviously, we are jumping into a series in the book of Exodus. We've called it Move Again. And it is that. It's that call of God's never allowing his people to remain under any master. Yeah any oppressor, yep. anyone who would stand up for his glory, he will get his glory in his story. And maybe uh, maybe if you could just speak into that, and people who are saying, actually, the next step seems like a big step. You spoke about the, the crossing this river in flood as a big step, and, and yet it is, and yet they're on the other side, and in the journey and in every step, there's a God who's victorious and glorious and spectacular in all his ways but yet so committed to his people getting to the other side. Well, I think it comes out repeatedly in the story, but one that's an obvious one to me is when they first come to the promised land, to Kadesh Barnea, yeah. and they look and they say, wow, there's giants in the land, the cities are walled up to heaven, we can't do it. And, uh, and, and God says, how long will these people despise me? And I'm sure they would have said, oh, no, no, we're not despising you, it's these giants. And it's these cities. I mean, look, it's pretty tough. And God said, no, you're despising me because I said you'll go in. I said you'll do it. And so then God says, as surely as I live, and then says, all the earth will be filled yeah. with the glory of the Lord. So going into the land was the next step in the land. God's purpose is to fill the whole land, to plant churches in every nation. He said to Abraham, through your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So God's purpose has always been there. And so setbacks, I mean, there's a 40-year delay. Yeah. They have to wander around. We may have had a setback, two years of difficulty uh, through the COVID, but God's plan hasn't stopped at all. He's still going to do what he said himself to do. Amazing. Terry, just from us two younger pastors, or a young pastor and a semi-young pastor, oh, there we go. be a little bit cheeky. Yeah, but, um, but somebody who's walked the talk, uh, maybe in, the, in this, this, this cultural moment we find ourselves in where it feels like truth and grace are almost now being polar opposites. It feels like you can't, can, or in the world's language or economy, you can't have one without, you can't have one at the expense of the other almost. How have you married that? And maybe truth and grace, we know that they go together in the person of Christ. But it just seems that you've never been a, a shy of speaking truth and, and uh, with conviction, but always cloaked in this, this beautiful, grace, uh, kind element. How would we be able to address some of these really prickly subjects in this day and age, but with truth and conviction, but actually with a winsome attitude? Maybe if you could speak and encourage us to that end. Well, the, the, the Bible makes it very clear that rules and regulations cannot produce godliness. Yeah. The Bible says... The law made nothing holy. It says that in Hebrews. It didn't do it. And uh, it says in Galatians, if a law had been given that could impart righteousness, then righteousness would come by the law. It's like, let's go into all the schools and say, you shall not bear false witness. You shall not steal. Just go tell them. Tell them the rules. That will change everything. The Bible says it doesn't work. So rules never could do it. And the Jewish nation was an obvious. They had the Ten Commandments. They got thrown out of the land because the Ten Commandments doesn't change it. The rules, we need a, we need a radical change. Yeah. And that's why God says in the Old Testament, I will give a new covenant. I'll put my spirit in their heart. I'll put a new heart within them, a new spirit. We need to die and be raised. We join to Jesus, our old life goes. We need a new life. And so it's truth that says this. Now, the truth says only grace can change us. 
Only grace can do it. But it's not to lower... Grace isn't God saying, oh, they can't keep the law, let's, let's drop the standard. It doesn't say that at all. No. It says the law made nothing holy. But grace comes teaching me. I love the NIV translation. The grace of God teaches us to say no. Yes. So it's grace that teaches me. Yeah. Um, teaches me, say, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't touch that. Grace teaches me. It's not as if the law says thou shalt not. It doesn't work. That's what the Bible says quite plainly. It says even provokes reaction. Yeah. It's like you're walking through a London park. This is very pretty. Those roses are pretty. These lawns are pretty. And it says, don't walk on the grass. And you think, who says don't walk on the grass? There's something inside us. And it says that in Romans. The law stirs up reaction in us. It's, it's us that needs to be changed. And so we need to die and be raised up. We need to be new birth, have a new birth. And then we're on a new relationship with God. Our guilt is taken away. But then he says, now walk worthy of this new relationship. You're made righteous, now walk worthy of it. Live in the spirit. Enjoy the love of Jesus. And I will put fruit in your life. So we've died to the law that we might be married to Christ, that we might bear fruit. For God. It's a fruit thing. The Spirit produces fruit, love, joy, peace in us. So God does the thing in us. So would you say to pastors in this world where we have, it feels like we live with a microphone in front of our face, where there's a social media, would you, would you be encouraging pastors to be speaking up more or to be speaking less at this time? Obviously, there's so many prickly subjects. What would you, if you could sit with a room full of pastors on saying all X, Y, Z, all these issues, this is my stance. What would your to pastors be? Well, it's interesting. I heard Tim Keller recently was interviewed uh, because he, he had opportunity to speak at the prayer breakfast at Westminster, the parliament, and he only had like a quarter of an hour. And he said to them, your nation's culture has been developed by the church historically. Yeah. He said it's been like salt. It's affected the nation. So he said to the members of parliament, don't try and make the church like the culture. He said, if you do that, you'll spoil the whole point. Because he said, the church is meant to be out of step with the culture. It's meant to be salt. It's meant to have tastes. It's meant to be different. And uh, he said, that is historically what has given the English culture, historically. People like Wesley and Wilberforce and all these people, it's Christian conviction that laid the foundations. So he made a strong appeal. Christianity has to have a different emphasis. We don't say, oh, things have changed, so we go with the flow. That is the very opposite of what we want to do. What a privilege, Terry. We, we absolutely love having you with us at Life Changes Church. You are much loved, Joe, yourself and Wendy. We thank you for the moments. I'm just amazed with your energy. When I see you step up, there's never a lack of energy to preach the gospel with courage. It's like you're getting more courageous. You're getting stronger about what God's calling. You get stronger and yet somehow still more gracious in the way that you deliver to God's people. And um, we really do honor you and, and Wendy and all what God has done through your family, your story in the nations of the world is spectacular. So we think you're heroes. We <laughs> love having you with us. And uh, we're so excited and such a kind, such a privilege to call you friends and leaders that we look up to. So thank you so much for this time. And um, we're so looking forward to seeing all that God's going to do with you. As you, I know you travel and you said America and continue to preach the gospel, continue to see his grace poured out of the nations. We honor you and we really do celebrate what God is doing. And through your story, thank you for being with us at this time. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Gabe. It's a joy to be here.